This morning's parable comes from Matthew chapter 20. Uh, And it is probably one of the most disliked of all the parables. There are certain parables that everybody kind of loves. The Good Samaritan, you know, the prodigal son. And this is one nobody likes. Because it's got to be the most unfair of the parables. And so let's unfold the parable. Let's tell it and see where it takes us. Jesus begins, For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into the vineyard. Now this is Matthew. We we did some kingdom parables in Luke, and he tends to call it the kingdom of God. Matthew uses the phrase kingdom of heaven. But same thing. It's talking about God's economy. The values, the priorities that God has are different than the values and the priorities that we have on earth. And sometimes they are in stark contrast. And so Jesus is trying to say, let me tell you a little bit about what my kingdom is like. And he goes on to tell this story. A master of a house would have been the person who ran the home made the decisions. It really could have even been like the father of the house. uh, Or this phrase could be more of a a, uh, somebody who worked for the father of the home. Maybe one of, maybe the eldest brother might be this person. But he obviously owns a vineyard and he goes out to hire people for the vineyard. (coughs) Now, in, in farming, there are certain periods when you need more laborers than others. Uh, when you when you when you set the seed, when you when you uh, when you plant your fields or you get your vineyards going, then you might need a little bit more help. But really, that can take place over a period of time. As the plants are growing, you don't need a lot of help. You just have to kind of take care of it. But when it's harvest time, you need extra help. You need extra help. So a lot of really big farms have people that come in that will work those farms just for certain harvest times. It's true today in a lot of places, and it's definitely true here. And so the master of the house, he comes uh, time, it appears, for the harvest, and he goes and he hires extra work for the day. Now apparently there's a place where the people who need work hang out, so that if you need a laborer, you can go there, hire that person for the day. And he goes, gets some people, hires them for a denarius a day. Now, a denarius, a little hard for us to translate financially, but it's a pretty good day's wage. It's not an absorbent amount of money, but it's a fair day's wage. A family could probably feed them, you could probably feed your family for three to five days on a denarius. It's, it's a good day of work. So he goes, agrees with the laborers first thing in the morning. Um, they considered morning to be about 6 a.m. That's about when the sun rises. So somewhere around 6 a.m., 7 a.m. maybe, he goes out, hires these laborers, says he's going to pay them this denarius, fair day's wage, and then off to work they go. Verse 3. Going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right I will give you. So they went. The third hour, so the hours get tracked from about 6. So we're talking about 9 a.m. now. A normal day would go 6 to 6. And uh, when it goes the third hour, the fifth hour, it's counting from about what we would consider 
6 a.m. So about 9 o'clock, he goes to the marketplace again and says, you go to the vineyard and finds these other people. Here's the question. Why are they there? I mean, if, it, if it's harvest time, then all the other vineyards are in harvest too. Not one vineyard gets into harvest while the others are not. So why are these workers here? And if he needed those workers, why didn't he hire them when he was there in the first place? Right? He already went there. He already hired. Why does he go back? Well, um, these may have been a little bit more lazy workers. Maybe these are workers that slept in a little bit. And is he confused? Why didn't he hire the workers when he went to hire in the first place? Does he realize there's more work? In which case, he's a pretty bad manager of the house. You ought to know how much work you need. You know how many people you need. This time, however, 9 a.m. he goes, gets the people. He does not agree to them on the wage. What he says is, I will give you whatever is right. The word there is right. It is not fair. Okay? The Bible doesn't really talk about fair. Okay? Right means righteous, correct, accurate. I'm going to pay you what you deserve. I'm going to pay what I should pay, what is right before God. The story continues. Going out again in the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same thing. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why did you stand here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you go into the vineyard too. So what times are these? This is about noon, about 3 p.m., and then about 5 p.m. Okay, so we're getting very late in the day. He goes out and hires these people. And when he, he keeps going back to the marketplace, keeps finding more of these people. The question is, why are these people still there? Right? Why are they still there? He asks them, Jesus in the story unfolds a little bit more here, why haven't you been hired? Because no one has, why, why have you been idle here all day? They say, because no one has hired us. They don't say, well, we were sleeping. Well, we were working somewhere else, and so we got let go early, so now we're sitting here. They said, no, no one's hired us. But it's harvest time. How come no one has hired these people? Why are they sitting around? Well, probably if you were not hired during the day, during the harvest, it meant there was something wrong with you. You were lazy. You were disabled in some way. You were unable to really work a full day. So they didn't want to hire you and have to have you there all day when you couldn't produce a lot. And the man said, you go into the vineyard too. So he hires these people anyway, right at the end of the day. And when he, continuing now, verse 8. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, <coughs> I don't understand why the foreman didn't go do the hiring, by the way, but here we go. Uh, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired at the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. So he goes to the foreman. He says, call the laborers and pay them. Beginning with the last. So he goes from the people that worked an hour, they get a denarius. People who worked three hours, a denarius. People who worked six hours, a denarius. Nine hours, guess what they got? A denarius. 
Those people who worked 11 to 12 hours, they come and they are looking at all these other people getting paid and they're thinking, oh, we worked all day. We're going to get more. And you know what they get? A denarius. Fair, fair pay. Okay, they, they don't get chipped. And remember, they agreed to the denarius. They're the ones that actually said, yes, we will do it for that. And they're boiling. They're angry. We would be too, right? How many of you have ever had somebody come in after you at work and get paid more than you work, than you do, or get more vocation than you do? It's, it's infuriating. It's frustrating. It's not fair. The par- this is a not fair parable. There's a reason why nobody likes this parable. It's not fair. And so these people, as we probably all would do, start grumbling. Verse 11, and on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, these last worked only an hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. So you know that they're getting fired up because the story is growing, right? Like that's a really emotional way to say how hard you've been working. How outrageous that the master of the house would pay everybody the same. They're not the same. Some of them worked 11 hours. Some of them worked an hour. They should not get the same amount. Unions have been started for exactly this kind of treatment, right? We have systems in place to get companies in trouble for doing what Jesus' parable tells about someone doing. Verse 13. And we replied to them, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? Jesus ends the parable with the phrase, so the last will be first and the first will be last. The owner says friend. We don't know if that's a genuine, like, kind friend or like, friend... I don't really know your name. I just hired you for the day. I don't really know what your name actually is. Friend, we'll assume positive here. You agreed. You agreed to that money, first of all. He's not cheating them. They did what they said they were going to do, and he's paying what he said he was going to pay. It's not unfair, technically, to them. It's unfair when he chooses to give more to other people. Anybody else boiling a little bit as I'm telling this? This is an annoying parable. You've got to feel a little bit the emotion of this is not right. This is not fair. This is an intentionally not fair parable. He says, furthermore, it's my money. It's my field. Why can't I do what I want? Why do you begrudge my generosity? Turns out a lot of Jesus' parables are kind of unfair, right? The prodigal son's unfair. The son that goes out and blows all his money gets to come back into the house and be a son again. Guess who costs, guess who has to pay for that? The elder brother, who his, it's his estate now. It's all his that's left. And now if the son comes back, he's got to start paying for that son again, for his brother again. The, uh, the good Samaritan's not fair. Samaritan pays all this money to take care of this person he doesn't know. Never gets that back. There's no debt paid. I preached last week about the tenacious widow. That's not fair. This widow has to go begging, pleading for what's right. 
This manager is unfair. In fact, a lot of the parables are unfair. But we shouldn't be surprised by this because I have important news for you right now. God's kingdom is not fair. Not by our standards. And we don't want it to be. Because God's grace is by its very definition unfair. We don't deserve God's unmerited favor. In fact, it's not just undeserved, it's ill-deserved. Whatever we get from God, we deserve the opposite of it. Because we don't put God in God's place. We put us in God's place. It is not undeserved grace. It is ill-deserved. We deserve the opposite of it. Grace is by its very definition unfair. We don't get what we deserve. We get so much more from God. God is not fair by our standards. If you want to understand this parable, you have to understand that in Jesus' day, there was another story circulating that Jesus almost certainly knows about and is telling this in comparison. of. But in that parable, it's normally not a laborer. It's normally a king in this other story. You can find it in all kinds of Jewish writings. In that story, however, the people who get the job at the end of the day work so hard and they produce so much that they work and have as much value as the people who work at the beginning of the day. So they, they only work two hours or whatever it is, but they get so much done, they get as much done in harvesting as the people who work at the beginning of the day. Now, now that, that parable makes sense to us, right? If that's a, just a good morality tale and working hard and being productive. If you, if, you're, if you can get the job done and part of the time and get the work done, then you deserve to get paid what the people who slouch around all day got paid because you got as much done. I mean, that, that parable makes sense to us. But Jesus intentionally tells a parable that's different. Jesus intentionally tells a parable that's not fair. Where there's no extra effort, there's no mention of how much they produce other than the people who worked all day. They say they produced a lot. But, but the, the parable doesn't have any of that. The parable doesn't care how much you produce. What the parable cares about is the generosity of the landowner. That's grace. It's not about you earning. It's not about you coming in, whether you were a Christian your whole life, or you really were a jerk most of your life and come in right at the end and become a Christian. It doesn't really matter what you produce in your life. The reason you're saved is grace. Period. End of it. That's the kingdom of heaven. It's not fair. In fact... I'm amazed how often we all, myself included, complain to God the way these people do. God, I am doing everything I can. I'm I'm giving and I'm serving and I stop smoking and I, I got all these deals I make with God. And then my sister gets a raise at work. And she's a jerk. And we work out, we go, my sister's not a jerk. This is a hypothetical. It's talking about your sister. Anyway, um, we make these kind of deals with God all the time. We complain with God all the time because we don't think it's fair. But Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is not fair by your definition. And if we really understand grace, we wouldn't want it to be fair. We don't want what's coming to us. We want what Christ took for us. That's That's... That's what we really should want. 
When Jesus says the last will be first and the first will be last, he's not just talking about how the order they got paid. In fact, they all got paid the same. So the last and the first are about the same in Jesus' economy here. Maybe the better way for us to say it instead of the last will be first is that Jesus' kingdom is upside down. That what we see is valuable and important or less valuable and less important, often in Jesus' kingdom it's reversed. Often the least important things, the least important people are where God wants us to spend our energies the most. Do we begrudge God's generosity? See, here's, here's, that's the big phrase in the parable. When the owner says, do you begrudge my generosity? He's not just being unfair. He's being generous. What he's really doing is he's taking those people that can't find work or they have something wrong where they can't work all day so they haven't been hired all day and he's bringing them into the, to, the, to work for at least a couple hours and he's being very generous with them. Maybe there's a lesson for us in there too about how we need to be generous. <clears throat> how we need to be generous but how we also need to have people work for things. I don't believe that the Bible is fundamentally a Marxist or a communist sort of system. Okay, I don't think the point of this parable is everybody should get paid the same. I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's the way the Bible is. 1 Timothy 5.18 says a laborer deserves his wages. 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Okay, I don't think it's good that we just give everybody the same. I don't think that's the biblical message at all. But I do think there are some people that have more trouble than others. And we ought to learn to be generous and help take care of them. But I think this landowner gives us a great example of the kind of work we should ask them. That you should have to work a little bit. This has caused major problems, by the way, in Africa, where for a long time, people just, countries just threw money at Africa. And you know what happened in Africa? It actually hurt. All the money that went to Africa hurt Africa. Because people were dependent on the money. It created dependency. Where they weren't working for themselves, they were just waiting for the next handout. There's now some really great stuff going on in Africa related to what's called microloans. Have you seen this? The organization called Kiva, you can look up online, does some really cool stuff, where you can take, and you ought to, some people ought to try this. You can go online and you can find somebody in Africa who wants to start a business. They want to start a textile business or they want to start like a, like a dairy business. It's amazing how cheap you can start businesses in Africa. For 600 bucks, somebody can get a sewing machine, some fabric, and start their business. And then what they do is they pay back the loans. So I know people who do this all the time. They do a loan, and then when they get it paid back, they do another loan, they do another loan, and then they're helping people not just hand out money. They're helping people to have their dignity and do work and earn it. So it's not just a handout, not just creating dependency. I wonder what the implications of this are for our current welfare system. We're, there's so many people that need help, but there's so many other people that are just dependent on the help. It's easy to get the help. It's easier to get the help than to do work. Part of the challenge for me with the welfare system is that we as the church have sort of outsourced to government care of the poor that should have been the church's business to begin with. And I got, I got news for you. The government does not think in terms of the kingdom of heaven. That's our job. That we need to be involved with caring for the poor, with taking care of people, and with trying to help people to learn the dignity of work, even if they can't work as much. 
This landowner is not just trying to be, to be unfair. He's trying to be generous. He's trying to go to people who can't work a full day, who can't do as much, and to say, listen, I'm still going to give you extra. I'm still going to pay you a full day. And it's not fair. But maybe as Christians, it's time that we live a little less fair also. That we start caring for other people. Finally, I think this parable has something to say about wealth. I, I really, I think the church has been really kind of rough on people with wealth. I think we have for a long time. We love the parables where the rich guys are the bad guys. But I got news for you. This is one of the, the, the number of parables where the person with wealth is a good guy. Wealth can be a real obstacle to the kingdom. It can be a real obstacle for grace because you can get dependent on yourself. But at the same time, wealth does come with it the opportunity to be generous. And I think as a church, we need to be careful that we're not too picky on the wealthy. If you have wealth, you have an amazing opportunity to be generous in a way that other people cannot. Take that seriously. This landowner does. As Christians, we are not called to be fair We are called to do what's right and praise God that He does not work on our same system of fairness. God is generous with us, with His grace, and we need to be generous with others. Let's pray. Father God, I thank You for Your grace to us that You give so willingly to us. Help us to feel Your grace Help us to abandon our worldly views of fairness and to be radically loving and gracious with people around us. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.